1: What's up, folks? Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, John Hutzpeth. Welcome to today's show. Uh, this is a show that I've been waiting on for months and months and months, probably years. We finally are doing an Oklahoma antelope hunt, a an archery antelope hunt at that, so... Uh, yeah, super, super excited about this episode this week, and uh, I hope you guys are too, because it is a really good one. We're talking to Josh house and Josh has been at Antelope Hunting now for three years, all three years, in Oklahoma, and he talks about how he starts on public land, has kind of transitioned into private. He talks about all the, the moans and groans, the learning, and just, just, just does a great job of informing us, not just about his hunt but also just kind of some general tips for doing it, uh, some of the regulations and everything. So yes, a very, very good episode coming up. Uh, before that, I'm going to do a little bit of an intro here, and I will warn you folks right now, typically I have some like notes set up on my computer to kind of you know keep me in line and stuff. I have zero notes in front of me, so I'm just going to wing it, and uh, welcome to the show. So I'm going to back up first to this last weekend. I did not go hunting, took the entire weekend off. Uh, There was like one or two times where I thought I might get to sneak out for an evening or a morning or something, but it was my wife's birthday. Um, What else? We had something on Friday. Oh, Friday, my wife had an event at the church. And so I needed to babysit for Saturday was her birthday. And then we had a birthday party to go to on Sunday. So uh, it was good. Honestly, I needed it more than I realized I needed to take a break. Um, And then my wife needed it even worse than that because I had gone out, you know, the previous two weekends for at least one night, uh, and left my wife all alone, and so i don 't want to burn her out just yet I've i've been like trying very, very hard not to burn her out and save that uh for you know when the hunting gets a little bit better, which is coming up very soon we 're going to be talking about that here in just a second so so yeah, Friday night, I just babysat uh Saturday. I did something i 've never done, but I probably should have done before now. I took my wife to a pumpkin patch first time ever i had never been i i had never even been as a kid, which uh blew my wife 's mind. Uh, but yeah we uh, loaded up the baby and uh, took my wife to a pumpkin patch she loved it we took a a thousand pictures I have so many pictures on my phone that I need to go through and delete because you know we'd set the baby up and we'd have to take 20 to get one good one and then we'd go to another spot set the baby up so on and so forth so uh, so yeah Uh, but had a good time Uh, we went to dinner that night celebrate her hung out Um, and then, yeah, Sunday, uh, you know, my wife works at a church and so I kept the baby while she was at work. We went to a birthday party, went to the evening service together. So it was just a good, very important family focused weekend. So, um, I was honestly, I was not near as upset about not getting to hunt over the weekend. As I am this week i i I called my boss and uh you know I wasn't necessarily trying to like guilt him into letting me go hunting, but I was throwing out some hints like if he just wanted to let me go hunting and not work that you know I would be open to that uh, I kept joking with him that I like you know was coming down with covid and told him I'd been licking doorknobs trying to get sick and uh but anyway, he didn't go for it uh, we had this crazy cold snap come out of nowhere and and the deer reacted uh yesterday evening i had one of my top four bucks uh show up in daylight um big old nice eight point uh it was a deer that i had uh passed last year during rifle season uh he was just one i really wanted to get with my bow and then i also i thought he was a four year old last year so i wanted to get another year he got that year and it was completely worth it this he's a stud of an eight point so anyway that deer came out in daylight uh i'm not sure i had any other real daylight bucks but i I had a lot of activity on my cameras one interesting thing and this is something i've i've started learning over the past i I really noticed it last year kind of started noticing it the year before that uh when we have these big you know really intense cold snaps the hunting is really good before and after but it is usually not that good during and that's what I witnessed last night. Like, I woke up this morning. I was ready to check my cell cameras. I figured I was just going to have all these deer pictures. It was kind of slow. Uh, and last night, was it got down to, what, like 28 or 29, something like that. Um, and I just didn't get that much deer activity. So I think when we have these random cold snaps, it kind of has the reverse effect. I think those deer hunker down. You know, they're just trying to stay warm. They know if they just stay put for a little bit, it's going to warm back up. And then they can move. So yeah, a lot of the deer activity I had really the day before um, or kind of that evening leading into it. But then that night when it was super cold, didn't have a ton of deer activity. So uh, one other random note that I just thought of on this cold snap uh, on Saturday, we got 1.3 inches of rain, which was awesome. I've been waiting for rain. Y'all have heard me talk about my food pot, my food plots on here that are struggling. Uh, We didn't have any rain like two weeks before I planted them. I think it had been four weeks after I planted them when we finally got this rain. I saw the rain in the forecast. I was saying my prayers. We ended up getting 1.3 inches, like I said, and I was praising Jesus. And then and then I checked the forecast again, and I saw what happened last night, and it got down below freezing. And so I, I don't know what ha- has happened yet. My fear is that we got that rain, that seed got, you know, moisture germinated and then this freeze came in. It just absolutely crushed it. Um, I don't know it. My hope, that's my fear. My hope is that the seed had germinated, but, you know, hadn't broke the soil or anything like that. And maybe, you know, the cold snap was so quick that it didn't really freeze the ground and get in there and hurt that seed. I I just don't know. You know, probably it's going to be a few days or a week or so until I find out um but i'm going to be so crushed if we finally got this rain and then that freeze went behind it and just killed it all so i don't know what to do at this point it's just kind of in god's hands if it survived great if it didn't survive i just i don't know if it's worth replanting at this point uh you know by the time i could like this weekend would be the earliest i could replant it'd be october 22nd or something like that um and i just don't know if it like i just don't know if we have enough warm days for it to germinate and do any good. So, so yeah, I think that's kind of in God's hands. Um, hopefully I still have some seed, you know, that made it through, but I just don't know. So, so uh, yeah, that's been the past weekend, something like that. Um, I did have some new bucks show up in the last couple days. I had two new ones, uh, one really, really nice eight and one really, really nice 10-point. And so that brings my hit list up to four um, and then I have two other bucks that I've mentioned that you know I would really like to kill maybe with the longbow or something management type bucks but I have four definite shooters um, one of them that at eight point that I was mentioned came in daylight yesterday he's definitely the most consistent um, I have the old um, the nine point that's been a 10 point that I've had for you know several years that lives on the neighbors and I probably am not gonna kill him and then I don't know enough about these two new deer yet like I said there's one ten one eight um, I do have, uh, multiple sets of pictures. Well, I say multiple, I have like two, I think I have two sets of pictures of the 10 and then three sets of pictures of the eight. And so they're definitely somewhere around. I don't know if they're super consistent. Um, but we're coming up. I heard a quote today. Um, it was the guys from, uh, the element podcast. They, they do, uh, the rut report on the wired to hunt podcast. And I think it was Casey that said, we're at that point in the year, where every day in the season is better than the last, you know, tomorrow's going to be better than the previous day and so on and so forth, because we're leading up to that rut time. And I I loved that quote. So shout out to Casey for that. Um, And that's what, that's what I'm about to talk to you. Like I'm, I'm so excited for the upcoming uh, you know, really gosh, month, you know, whatever, but uh, really looking forward to this upcoming uh, next two weeks. So this coming weekend, I am going to get out to the ranch. I'm not going for the whole weekend. Again, I don't want to burn my wife out just yet. Uh, but I think my plan is to head out there on Friday and then stay out there all day Saturday. So um, I'm not sure if I'm going to hunt Saturday morning or not. We'll just see what happens. It's supposed to warm back up, of course. You know, it was like 62 today and it's supposed to be 84 on Saturday. So I don't know how the hunting is going to be. But the main reason I want to go is two reasons I want to get stuff set up for the following weekend, that second weekend of rifle, the last weekend in October. Uh, I'm going to do what I did last year. I'm going to take a vacation day on Friday. So my plan is to head up Thursday after work and then I'll get to, you know, potentially hunt Thursday afternoon, depending on what time I get off all day, Friday, all day, Saturday, and at least Sunday morning. That's the plan. And I just love that weekend. Uh, For some reason, our property, the deer just seemed to move more that weekend than in any other time, especially in daylight um, and before we had this property, I always thought people who were, you know, doing all day sits and stuff before November 1st were crazy and it was worthless, but I don't know what it is. This property, it's definitely worth it. And so, uh, I might do some all day sits. I, I challenged myself last year to do an all day sit cause I've never actually done one. Um, but the way it worked out, we had a front move in that Saturday, and so because of the wind, I ended up actually having to change spots. So I hunted one spot in the morning and then another spot in the evening. If the wind is consistent, I'm really tempted to try it again uh, this year. You know, maybe doing all day, sun up to sundown down sit. Um, I don't know. We're just going to see what happens. Um, but again, so this weekend, my plan, I want to, you know, kind of double check all my feeders and stuff, uh, make sure they're all good, uh, make sure everything's just lined out so that next weekend, Uh, I can really focus on my entrance and exit. I don't have to mess with anything. I don't have to, you know, check cameras or feeders or anything like that. Like everything should be ready to go and I can just hunt. And then my second uh, deal is I want to go back to that public land spot that I talked about last week. Um, I left a camera out there, so I definitely want to check the camera. And I have an old tree stand sitting in the shop that I'm tempted to take out there and set up in the tree that I hunted and just leave it. Um, and so my, my, my thinking is I'll take in my sticks and the stand, uh, set the stand up and then take the sticks. And so somebody can't just, you know, walk through there and climb it. Uh, but it's just easier for me. Like if I want to go in there and hunt it, all I have to do is take my sticks, set them up and I got the stand and everything ready to go. So I'm thinking about doing that. Not positive yet. Um, you know, I still have my mobile setup where so I can move around, But, uh, I don't know that I'm just, I'm really, really confident in that tree that I sat last time. So thinking about setting the permanent stand there. And then that way I still have the mobile set up. If I wanted to move somewhere else I could, but, uh, again, going to check the camera first, see if there's anything worth, you know, hunting there in the first place. Um, I also, I don't know if I mentioned it on here or not. I found what I believe is a community scrape on that property. And I found it after I had already set the camera. And so I'm going to check the camera If I'm getting some bucks on there, cool. If not, I'm gonna take that camera and go put it on that community scrape because we are in prime scrape activity time right now. So we're in a lot. We're in prime a lot of things. You know, rubs are gonna start showing up, scrapes are gonna start showing up. Um, It, like I said before, every day is gonna be better than the day before. So, so that's the plan for the future. Uh, Like I said, that last weekend in October, my plan is to take that vacation day. Do lots of hunting. Um, I'm probably gonna just depending on the setup. You know, a lot of my blinds are really set up for bow hunting, even though it's you know muzzleloader season. And so, just kind of depending on where I think the deer are gonna be or where I'm at, I might take the muzzleloader. I might stick with the bow. Uh, I might take both. You know, I read that uh, I read the regs last week during muzzleloader season. It's completely legal to take a bow. Also, Uh, I don't I don't know. Some people feel weird about that. I don't know how I feel about it, but might as well, right? If deer's in bow range, use your bow tag, save your muzzleloader tag. And, uh, yeah, I just love to take some of these deer with my bow anyway. So I know that's kind of a, a cheap way to do it, but, hey, it's legal. Why not? Do whatever makes you happy. That's you know, do whatever. Who cares? Um, yeah, what else? Uh, I talked about last weekend. I talked about this coming weekend. Talk about the weekend after that. Uh, the first week in November, got it set up with my buddies. I'm going to be headed to West Texas, uh, to his lease out there. Um, so yeah, basically the next three weekends should be doing a decent amount of hunting and, uh, and I'm going to keep you guys up to date on everything that happens. So, so yeah, that's my plan. I think that's about all I got. Uh, we got the interview with Josh coming up here. So I think I'm gonna let you guys go and get into that. So we're going to hear a quick word from our sponsors And then we're going to get into our antelope hunting podcast the first ever antelope podcast on the oklahoma outdoors podcast very excited about it so hope you guys are ready for this i'm going to quit jabbering thank you guys for listening to the podcast and we're going to get into the episode right after this private water fishing has opened up dozens of private lakes in oklahoma and texas for your personal use you can reserve your own professionally managed lake for a whole or a half day And you're even allowed to bring guests. No boat, no problem. Most of these lakes have some type of watercraft on site for you to use free of charge. These aren't just little farm ponds. These are 10 plus acre private lakes, professionally managed for large bass. Some of these lakes even pay you for taking out undesirable fish. You could literally pay for your day of fishing by fishing. If this sounds good to you, go to privatewaterfishing.com and sign up for your membership. Have you ever had second thoughts about what stand you should climb or what time you should hunt? I know I have. If you're in the same boat and want to make a more informed decision using the trail camera photos you've seen, Deer Lab was made for you. Deer Lab is a web-based app that takes your photos and turns them into hunting intel, allowing you to make data-driven decisions during the hunting season. Visit DeerLab.com to learn more and start your 30-day free trial. If you like what you see... Make sure to use code OKLAHOMAOUTDOORS, all one word, to receive 20% off any plan. I guarantee you, after using Deer Lab, you'll never look at your trail camera photos the same. Arrowhead Land Company continues to grow, and they want to bring you along for the ride. They have agents all over the state ready to help you with your land, buying, or selling needs. Big or small, for business or personal use, it doesn't matter. If you want to buy or sell land in Oklahoma... Arrowhead Land Company is there to help you make your dreams become a reality. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show. And Today we're talking to Josh Barthouse. How are you doing, Josh? Doing good. Awesome, that's great to hear. Man, I am very excited about this episode. I've been trying to get an antelope guy on here just about since I started this thing. And uh, I ran across your picture on social media and reached out to you. You said you'd be willing to come on and and talk a little bit of antelope hunting with me. So I'm I'm pretty darn excited for this one. Yeah, sure. Happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. Well, Josh, before we uh, jump off the deep end, why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself? You know, who you are, where
2: you're from, that type of, type of thing. Yeah, uh, my name's Josh Barnhouse. I grew up in Enid, Oklahoma. Um, Went to school down in Texas for a few years, but I'm back up here in the Air Force currently, so getting ready to move away, do some more hunting elsewhere, but yeah, uh, yeah I've been been back here for a couple of years now. Um, didn't grow up hunting a lot, uh, but uh, got into it kind of in high school and stayed with it through college and stuff and love deer hunting, love duck hunting, love antelope hunting, so don't awesome. know what I do. Awesome. So are, are
1: you currently in the Air Force or are you like joining the Air Force?
2: No, I'm in the Air Force, so I'm actually uh, finishing up pilot training up here at Enid right now.
1: Okay, very cool, very cool. That's awesome, man. Sweet. Yep. Alrighty. Well, uh, man, I, I don't even know where to start. Like I said, I'm pretty excited about this one. Um, so, uh, again, you, you tackled the antelope, you were successful, but before we get into the hunt, uh, I just want to talk about Oklahoma antelope hunting for a minute, because, uh, you know, it's one of those things, like I I say this all the time, you know, a lot of people just don't realize how diverse Oklahoma is and how many species you can hunt here. And antelope is one of those that I think slides under the rug to a lot of people. A lot of people don't know you can even hunt them. Uh, I think a lot of people even in Oklahoma don't necessarily realize you can hunt them. So, um, so just kind of, you know, thousand foot view, uh, what are the opportunities people have to hunt antelope here in Oklahoma? Like what are the different avenues they can take?
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I'm sure, Most people know about, like, the controlled hunt, you know, trying to draw a rifle tag out in Cimarron or Texas County. Um, And I've put in for that for a few years now. Uh, And I think it was when I started putting in for that is when I realized we actually had an opportunity with archery. Uh, Anybody with a hunt license in Oklahoma can go out to either Cimarron or Texas County and try to get one with their bow every year. Uh, It's usually like a two-week season, October 1st through the 14th. Uh, right same time frame deer season opens. Um, and, yeah, you can go out there and chase them around with a stick and string and try to get one.
1: Awesome. Now, is there any public out there? Is it all private? Like, were you knocking on doors? How are you getting permission on places?
2: Yeah, there is there is some public out there. Um, there's some OLAP land. Uh, and then there's also Rita Bonka WMA that's uh, down in the southern portion of the Panhandle uh where i shot mine was on private um me and my buddy went up there and we uh we tried the public thing one year and uh, we did it for three days and got close uh it's definitely doable we met a couple guys that had gotten one on public uh but we we decided that we were going to go knock on some doors and see what we couldn't couldn't get a hold of and try to get some better access out there and that's what ended up happening
1: gotcha and what was that like like, you know, most well one, I guess, were did you like drive around and like scout and look for antelope and then go ask people, or did you just kinda have a general area that you were asking? And then kind of the second part of that, uh, you know, when you went up and asked people, were they very receptive? Did you get a you know, a hundred no's and then
2: one yes? What was that like? Yeah, I, I think I probably had a waypoint on about every house in the panhandle <laughs> of Oklahoma on Onyx. Uh but yeah we we me and a buddy went up there in the summer uh and knocked on a lot of doors um people are pretty receptive up there to it i'd say um you know a lot of those people they live off in the country by themselves and they like to be left alone for the most part but uh, when it comes to antelope they're kind of viewed as, viewed as a pest out there uh, they break a lot of fences and eat a lot of eat a lot of good food that cattle could be eaten um so i'd say it was probably maybe one out of ten uh was a yes Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know antelope it's so much different than deer hunting you know where you get you can get a permission on a 40 acre piece to go deer hunt and you know you're going to see deer Mm -hmm. if you get permission on 40 acres to antelope hunt you may not see antelope there for a month Mm -hmm. but one day they may be on that 40 acres so it you know just because you get permission one out of every 10 times you got to find the the right guy to give you permission i'd say
1: gotcha gotcha so did y'all have permission on several pieces and just kind of scout from the road or did you kind of just you know get one and call it good or how did that work
2: uh initially uh so we've been up on private land two years in a row now and uh Initially, we got permission on several pieces of private and then got permission from one guy who owns a substantial amount of land up there uh, and had never let anybody hunt before uh, and so that was that was about all we needed. There was goats everywhere when we went up there to scout and when we went up there opening day of last year uh, I mean it was there was antelope everywhere on his place so uh and that's the same place I went this year. And there definitely wasn't as much, but, uh, we, we pretty much solely hunted on one guy's piece property.
1: Gotcha. That's awesome. Um, two other questions. One, uh, you mentioned, you know, anybody with a hunting license can go up there and I don't even know this. Is there, is there a tag? Like, do you have to buy a tag or just your general hunting license? Does that cover you?
2: Yeah, no, it's included with your general hunting license when it, uh, when it comes to archery hunting, it's just, you get on there, you tag it like you tag a deer and then you go on and you check it online.
1: Gotcha. Very cool. Awesome. And then, uh, just for people again, you know, we, before we started recording, I mentioned, you know, I'm, I hunt Southeast Oklahoma, very, very different terrain. And, uh, I've been through the Panhandle a little bit, but, uh, just describe kind of the terrain for people
2: who may not be familiar with the area. Yeah, most of that panhandle is uh, about as flat as it gets, uh, and not a lot of cover. Uh there are some spots where you kind of get up into some rolling, uh rolling hills with maybe some cedar uh on some of the some of the pastures and stuff that they run cattle on out there. Um but it it's pretty tough hunting when it comes to like spotting stock out there. There's not not a lot to get you cover. It's it's pretty flat.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Awesome. I just kind of wanted to set that foundation for folks before we got into it. So, um, man, if it's okay with you, I think I want to back up, uh, you know, before this year, you mentioned you've been out there, was it three years? Yep. Uh, I I just want to start from the beginning, you know, if somebody's listening to this and maybe they've thought about it, maybe they're intimidated, uh, you know, with the thought of trying to get out there, uh, just start from the beginning, you know, talk about that first trip on the public land, and then your transition onto private and, uh, you know, just kind of the things you've learned throughout that that eventually led to your success. So I guess what I'm saying is, you know, start way back at the beginning and then lead us up to the hunt and then into the hunt.
2: Yeah. Um, so me and a buddy of mine, uh, we we were talking about it uh, one year and we are like, let's just go up there for a weekend and, you know, kind of see what happens. Um, so we started doing the research and found out about all the OLAP land that's up there and the WMA up there. Uh, so we went up there, um, up around Keys and Boy City and stuff. That's where most of that Olaf land is. Uh, and we, we got close. I'd say we got within 100 yards on a couple, couple of stocks um, using some decoys and stuff. Uh, never got a shot off in anything. Uh, There's a lot of pressure. Uh, it was mostly just like you'd bump the antelope and then somebody else would cut them off and then they'd bump them back to you and it was just, you know, it was all over the place. Yeah. Uh, was uh, was there like, were there
1: water holes? Were there people just sitting on a water hole or were most people spotting and stalking? There
2: were, there were some spots where you could sit on a water hole and most of those spots had blinds sitting on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think most everybody was out there trying to spot and stalk, uh, which it's really hard to do unless you can find like a solo buck just bedded down in the right spot because um, that time of year they're still mostly running around in groups um, and they've got big eyeballs and a lot of eyes on you. It's, it's hard to get close. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's something that, uh, so I, I've antelope hunted one time, uh, a buddy of mine from high school, he has some family in New Mexico. Um, and so we were able to get landowner tags through his family. And uh, the way New Mexico does it is you, they have a, a longer season. I want to say it's three or four weeks Uh but when you buy your tag, your tag is only valid for three days. And so you basically have to pick three days in that time period that your tag is good for. And I remember we were out there on our first day and we spotted some antelope and they I mean they were at least a mile away. You know, out there everything's a mile by a mile a mile. You know, that's how big their pastures are. So you can kinda tell by fences, you know, how far. And so we saw these antelope, they were at least a mile away. And we're like, hey, you know, let's just get a little closer. Maybe we can, you know, get a little better look at them. And we, you know, stood up and kind of walked over this little rise. And those suckers jumped up and took off. (laughs) Like, I mean, a mile away. And this is like opening day or maybe the second day of the season. You know, it's not like this thing had been pressured for a long time. And uh, and I I was just amazed at their eyesight. I mean, they really, like, people talk about how good they can see. And it is not a lie. They can see incredibly well.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like if you get within 600, six, 700 yards of them, they most likely know you're there. Unless they just flat out can't see you cause you're behind a hill or a bush or something. They, if you're breaking the horizon all at all, they, they definitely most likely know you're there. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, sorry, I interrupted you. So that, that was your first year. Keep going.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So after that first year, we, uh, we came back. Uh, we were a little, little discouraged. Uh, I think we tried it for three days, and after the end of the third day, we were like, "Man, it's just, it's just not going to happen." Uh, so we came home, and uh, like I said, we kind of formulated a game plan, started doing some research, looking at, uh, looking at maps up there, um, and kind of recalling where we saw the most antelope at, and uh, we went back up there in the middle of the summer uh on a on a trip went camping and set up a tent and went and knocked on doors all day and um, ended up getting permission from a guy couple people uh, and then the last door we knocked on um, was a guy that like i said he, he owns a substantial amount of land up there and uh, it was like eight o'clock in the morning when we knocked on this door and he came out to the porch putting on his shirt and getting dressed <laughs> for work in the morning We were like, we're trying to shoot some antelope with a bow. And he was like, okay, sounds good. When are you going to do it? And we started asking him, you know, like, is it just this little 200 acres right here? And he was like, oh no, I got like five cattle guards that way, three cattle guards that way. And we were like, oh my God. And, uh, but yeah, we, we lucked out with him. He's been super good to us. Um, but so we went out there, he showed us around the property. We saw a bunch of goats while he was driving us around. Um, and then we came out there, uh, opening day, uh, last year and saw a lot of goats, put some stocks on, uh, and eventually we ended up sitting in water hole. And I I actually shot one last year too, sitting on a water hole. Gotcha. Um, uh, I shot it. I, I told my wife that I was going to leave at noon that day if I hadn't seen anything. And at ten thirty I had a antelope bed down in between me and my car <laughs> and eventually walked directly at me to the water hole at about 1230, uh, ended up shooting that one. Um, so yeah, I was successful last year and then we, we decided we are going to go back this year. We weren't out, able to make it out there opening day. Um, but we made it out there that second weekend and, uh, yeah, we, uh, we got, we got another one on uh, that first night I was out there. So
1: Awesome. Now, when you were sitting in the water hole, I've, I've seen it on shows and stuff. Uh, I mean, were you sitting all day? Like, that's not a early morning and late evening thing like you're deer hunting, right? I mean, a lot of times people are putting in a lot of hours in a very hot little ground blind. Is that kind of what you were doing?
2: Yeah, I got out there before the sun rose. And uh, like I said, I think I shot that one at 1230. And I, I started seeing antelope uh, about 930. I started kind of working around me uh, you know, six, 700 yards away, just looking at them through binoculars. Um, and they eventually ended up bedding down, uh, probably about five, 600 yards from me. And then at 1230, like when they decide they want to go to water, they get up and they just like run at the water. Hmm. Uh, and that, that's kind of what happened. Uh, So, yeah, it it definitely is long, hot, boring sits when there's no phone service and, you know, you've already read the book that you brought with you and (laughs) it it, it gets pretty long. Yeah, yeah.
1: Gotcha. So this year, I might have missed that. Uh, This year it was a spot in stock though, right?
2: Yep, yeah. I I shot this one spot in stock this year.
1: Gotcha. All right, take us through that story because I'm, again, I have, you know, one experience antelope hunting and, uh, we, we tried so many times to stock up an, on antelope and it was so difficult. And I, I imagine where you were hunting is even flatter than where we were. So, so talk us through the whole hunt.
2: Yeah. So, uh, we, we decided to go out there this year and knowing that I had tried to spot and stock in the past and not been very successful at it, uh, I, I had said like, I'm not going to put a stock on one unless it is an, an absolute perfect position to do so. Because like in years past, we'd gone out there and we we tried to stock anything that we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I sat water that first, probably, we I think we got in the blind at 8 a.m. and sat water until about 2 p.m. Uh, and then I got bored because I wasn't seeing anything and got out and started driving around. And um ended up spotting this antelope he was in the corner of a pasture uh with that had cattle in it and there just happened to be uh kind of a a big rolling hill with cedar trees that ran right down the peak all the way down this hill to where he was uh and he was on the south side of the hill and the hill ran up to the north and the cedar trees went all the way up the hill like i said Uh, And we had a strong south wind. Uh, And so I I sat there and I saw him and I thought to myself, I was like, I I don't know how it gets any better than this. I'm like, I can go up on top of the hill. I can work down the cedar trees and I can probably get, you know, relatively close to him without him ever even knowing I'm there, just based off the wind and the trees and everything. Um, And so I that was probably about three thirty is when I saw him He was by himself feeding there. Uh, I got on the walkie-talkies and radioed to my buddy and my wife that I was going to be off for a little while trying to put a stock on one. And uh, so I drove about half a mile down the road where he couldn't see me anymore, parked the car, um, got out, went all the way up to the north to where I could come up the backside of this hill, uh, which is probably about half a mile farther north. I came up the backside of this hill and just hopped from cedar tree to cedar tree to cedar tree uh until i got to the very last cedar tree uh that was closest to him and i was 75 yards um and i i sat there with him at 75 yards with literally nothing in between me and him other than this like tiny little cedar tree i think i sat there for almost an hour um just kind of waiting and talking myself out of, like, trying to belly crawl up to him while while his head was down facing the other direction. Uh, There were several times I had to talk myself out of trying to do that. Um, And so I sat there knowing he's probably going to work towards me at some point, and he eventually does. Uh, He starts to feed towards me real slow, gets to about 40 yards, and I'm sitting on my knees, got my D-loop hooked on my release, Like I'm ready to draw when he kind of comes into my shooting window off the side of the cedar tree. And he's two steps from coming into my shooting window and he beds down at 35 yards. (laughs) And the wind was blowing, but it wasn't blowing loud enough where I could just make whatever noise I wanted or anything like that. And so I'm sitting there on rocks in the most uncomfortable position on my knees and, uh, he's bedded down at 35 yards. So I sat there trying not to move for probably another 45 minutes, just watching him. He kept looking at the tree. Like he could kind of almost tell something was up, uh, but I still had good wind. I wasn't making any noise. um, And eventually he stood back up. But instead of walking straight like the line he was on, back into my shooting lane, he kind of started walking away from me. And by the time he did come into my shooting lane, he was about 50. And uh, we had some pretty strong gusty winds. Uh, I pulled back, released an arrow, hit him pretty far back. Uh, wasn't a great shot, um, but it hurt him pretty bad. Uh, and I just sat there and kind of watched him for a little bit, knowing, like, he's not going to move fast. He wasn't going to go far. Uh, and eventually I was able to get up and kind of parallel him up the hill, bouncing between cedar trees, chase him for – about three quarters of a mile up and over this hill down into a little valley. Uh, and eventually shot him again at 20 yards. Um, and that's where he ended up dying. Uh, the, yeah, it, it was a pretty wild deal. Um, had to, you know, end up putting two stocks on him mm-hmm. uh, and they, they move quick. Even, even when they're hurt, they're moving a lot faster than you think they are. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah man,
1: that simultaneously sounds like the most exciting hunt ever and the most miserable hunt ever. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like, no, like
1: like there's one side of me It's like, man, I have to go do that. And then the other side of me is like, man, that just sounds miserable.
2: Yeah, it was, it was painful for sure. And I, I learned my lesson in the years past, you know, like just play the slow game and wait for them. Because if you're in a good spot, like just wait to see if they give you the opportunity. Don't push it. Don't try to – Take the opportunity that's not there, um, and yeah, I, I I didn't make a great shot on that first shot, but I I was able to able to follow it up, and it took a while. I think by the time I was done, it was like six thirty. So I had been off the radios, not talking to anybody for three hours. My wife had been sitting in the ground blind since seven a.m., and uh, <laughs> so she was waiting for me to come pick her up. Uh, it was it was a long long afternoon for sure.
1: Oh man. That's, oh, that's awesome though. Uh, You know, something that just, it comes to mind talking to a lot of people when we talk about this stuff, just like so many people think you have to spend all this money and travel, you know, all this long distance to have an adventure. And there's just so much of it right here in our own state. Uh, You know, antelope bear, like there's opportunities for both of those species. You know, like you said, over the counter comes with your license, um bear tags don't but uh but yeah i mean there's just so many opportunities in the state that most people don't take advantage of so i think it's awesome that you that you did you know you put in the work you did the research and got it done
2: yeah for sure i the state really does have a lot to offer when it comes to uh big game hunting for sure and a lot of people don't don't take advantage of it and don't realize it and don't realize how lucky we are to have all the opportunities we do have here Mm yeah um
1: any i'm not about to ask you to give away any of your spots or anything like that but uh any any like general tips let's say somebody's listening to this and they're like hey 2023 i'm going to be out there i'm going to be doing this what are some of the things you've learned over the last couple years um you know suggest like gear suggestions or any hunting tips things to look for just some general good things to know
2: yeah um i mean it's it's really tough uh i if you're going to go out there you need to be prepared be you know accurate with your bow probably like i would be confident at 60 yards uh be able to hit something at 60 yards out there because it's hard to get closer than that uh and then as far as tips or anything else like just be patient uh they are really finicky animals and uh this was my wife's first year hunting them and i I told her i was like you're going to sit there and watch them through the binoculars and you're going to think they're going one way and then the next second they're going to go a different way but the way they move is just they they don't have a pattern they're not like deer you can't sit there and say oh they're going to be here at 10 o'clock every morning they they move across that landscape just at their own will and do whatever they want and seems patternless so just be patient. If don't force anything, try to find something that's in a good spot with good wind, uh, and you can you can get close to them if you if you really wait for that right opportunity to present itself. Uh, and if you're going to hunt public down there, uh, use other people to your advantage. That's what we ended up doing on those last two days because other people were going in on stocks that were never going to work. And so we'd set up on the opposite side of the land, public land and just kind of sit and wait and try to ambush them. And that's that's how we got closest uh, a couple of times, was just letting other people bump them to us. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a challenge for sure. Uh, but, I, I, you know, the, the rifle tag in Oklahoma is a once-in-a-lifetime deal. Uh, I've gotten to hunt these things three years in a row now and killed two in three years um so like that that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience for me and i hope to keep reliving that once-in-a-lifetime experience every year so it's, mm-hmm. it's its a lot of fun yeah that's awesome i've
1: i've been putting in for the rifle tag as well and uh obviously have yet to draw it but uh but yeah that's awesome uh what about like wind uh and i don't know how much experience you've had uh you know maybe getting upwind or something like would you say they're as finicky as a white tailed deer or, you know, can you get away with a little bit more of a bad wind? Uh, just how do they, how do they use their nose?
2: Yeah, you can get away with a little bit more of a bad wind on them for sure. Um, they're not like a deer where, uh, if they smell you and don't see you, they're still going to bust, you know, like a, a white tailed doe that smells you from 300 yards away is going to start blowing it, Even if she never sees you, um, if, if they see you, they'll bust but if you have a bad wind and they don't see you they'll come almost try to check out to see what that is because uh, they they know that they're the fastest thing out there mm-hmm. uh and so they'll they'll try to get eyes on you before they bust just because they smell you i'd say gotcha
1: and then when you were hunting water were you hunting like ponds were you hunting just like a round water tank what kind of water were you looking for
2: yeah we had uh we're we're hunting on uh, water tanks that had windmills uh, pumping into a big tank. Uh, and then they, the, you know, the tank was overflowing into a man-made pond area. Uh, that's mostly the water we were hunting.
1: Gotcha. So when you were setting up your ground blind, were you like taking wind into account or were you looking for some kind of cover to set up next to you so it wasn't just a random square? Or do you think it really mattered where you set
2: up? Uh, we, I tried to take wind to, into account a little bit when we were setting them up. Uh, just I think we had like a general south southwest wind out there uh, the whole time we were out there this year. And so I tried to take that into account. Um, but mostly it's just making sure you can be in a spot to where you can see them coming and you can get a shot off to where you think they're going to be at on that pond. So we, we went and looked to see where the most tracks were congregated in the mud around the pond and uh, set the blind up to have – an okay wind but also be able to see them come in and get a shot off
1: gotcha and then like with your blind, were y'all using just pop-ups
2: yep yep just the uh, old hub hub style pop-ups that you can buy anywhere
1: uh-huh. uh were y'all setting those up like in advance or like i mean if you let's say you got out there at 6 a.m or whatever before the sun came up and set your pop-up up w- did that matter to them like would they still come into the water or would y'all set them up in advance so they kind of had time to get used to them
2: uh, I, I'd like to set them up in advance. I uh, I did that a little bit, uh, last year when we went out there, I think I set it up on the first or second day we were out there and didn't actually sit in it until the third or fourth day. So I, I think they had seen it a little bit, uh, this year we weren't really able to make that happen. We got out there, um, late Friday evening, right before the sunset. And we went up and threw a couple of blinds out and we were in them Saturday morning. Uh, and I had, uh, You know, I, I hadn't the previous year, I hadn't seen anything until, you know, about nine o'clock that was even close to water. And so I took that information and we decided that we could sleep in a little bit on Saturday morning this year and we'd go get in the blinds right after sunrise. And of course I'm, I'm walking to the blind was dumb enough not to glass down next to it before I got out of my car. And I pop up over a little hill and there's a buck standing 40 yards from my blind at eight o'clock in the morning. (laughs) uh so i i bumped him off and then went and got in the blind and but no he that was first time he'd seen it he was 40 yards and then i had another buck that morning coming to water uh but like i said he sprinted into water got a drink really quick and sprinted right back away um so they as long as you're really still inside the blind it's movement that's a big thing for them if they see you move they won't like it but um it does it doesn't spook them too bad gotcha Gotcha.
1: Man, I was starting to get a little hope that I could sleep in if I went out there, but I'm glad you told me that story. I'm, I'm not a morning yeah. person. So I got to really force yeah. myself to get up during deer season.
2: Yeah, I, I was pretty pissed that I wasn't in the blind at sunrise that I morning because he was, he was a good buck. <laughs>
1: <Yeah. laughs> awesome. Awesome. Ah, man, I'm trying to think uh, if I have any other questions. Um, I don't know. I've already asked you if you had any other tips or tricks. Um yeah i guess that's uh i guess that's all i can think of josh um i'll give you one last chance any any other things that you thought of just during that last little bit of conversation
2: yeah i mean, just like for anybody who wants to go do it just go do it uh go out there and experience it run around on the public land give it a shot uh it's a lot of fun uh it'll it'll make you a better hunter and everything you do you'll think about slowing down even deer hunting and stuff more just you know it, it makes you put a lot of thought into how you're interacting with the landscape and those animals and stuff. Uh, uh, it's, it's a really rewarding experience to go out there, uh, and, and chase them around. So I would tell anybody to go give it a shot.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Josh, this has been super informative, man. I can't tell you how exciting this was and, uh, how thankful I am for you, uh, that you came on. Um, if somebody wanted to, uh, you know, look you up on Instagram or something follow along with your antelope hunting uh where should they find you
2: yeah uh instagram's josh underscore barnthouse uh and my last name spelled uh b-a-r-n-t-h-o-u-s-e it's like barn t house it's really simple uh so yeah if you can follow me there i post a lot of pictures and stories from hunts i do antelope hunting huntin', deer hunting so uh if anybody wants to follow me that's where they can do it
1: Awesome, man. Well, well, good luck with uh, flight school. Uh, thank you for your service. Good luck in the Air Force. And, uh, man, if you if you get another one down, we'll have you back on next year. So uh, good luck to you, and thanks again for coming on.
2: Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. We did it, folks,
1: in Oklahoma antelope podcast. Who thought we would be saying those words? Uh, I was sitting here trying to think. I know, obviously, we've done uh, whitetail uh, I'm pretty sure we, yep, we've done mule deer, we've done elk, we've done antelope. I'm not sure we've done a dedicated bear episode. I think we've talked about bear. Uh, we even did an alligator episode last year, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think, I'm not sure we've done a bear episode. I'll have to get on that. Um, but yeah, special thanks to Josh. Thank you for coming on. Uh, he really knew his stuff. That was super helpful because I did not, I, you know, it's one of those, like I said, I've, I've put in for the tag, uh, but I've never really done that much research because I just... It wasn't really on the radar, but definitely on the radar now. I actually forgot until we started recording that I have antelope hunted and harvested an antelope. Uh, You know, it wasn't in Oklahoma. Uh, But yeah, I mean, just one of those cool things is kind of one of those things that I checked off the list and forgot about. But uh, man, getting one with the bow in Oklahoma that might have just you know climbed up the ladder a little bit. So, so, yeah, thank you, Josh, for sharing that experience with us. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, if anybody has any topics that you want me to cover, please, please message me. Um, I've been getting a lot more Instagram messages the last few weeks leading into season. Um, I've gotten several from new hunters, which is awesome, uh, several from old listeners, which is awesome, Guys, I'm always down to help if I can, so whether you have a a podcast topic or just a general question, don't hesitate to shoot me a message, and I will do my best to answer your questions, so that's going to do it for this week, guys. I think this is a little bit shorter of an episode. I don't know how these are getting shorter as we're getting into hunting season, but it seems like they are, Um, but uh, yeah, I already have, I think, two guests lined up. I'm going to be doing a bunch of hunting, so we have plenty of content coming out And thank you guys so much for supporting this podcast and listening to what I have to say. So that's going to do it for this week. Thank you guys so much. And until next week, I will see you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast.